Good to be with you. I don't know if my, if my husband said what my name is. It's Lorelei, if we haven't met. And uh, we are in our series in Acts, and this is the last of our expansion series, The Word of God to the Ends of the Earth. It's been an amazing series, and like Vaughan said, if you missed some of them, go back and go and have a look. There's some amazing preachers. And so we have seen how God's intention is to actually for the gospel and the Word of God to go to every single nation. And so we're going to have a look at how expansion happened in the kingdom. But firstly, if expansion is to happen outwardly, expansion has to happen inwardly first. And normally it has to happen in us first for it to take place in the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at how expansion took place for Peter and for Cornelius and his household, and what it looks like for us today. So that inward expansion, that expresses itself in outward expansion. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word. Lord, we want to say thank you that we can gather in your name like this. We never want to take this for granted, Lord, that we can gather as your people, worshiping you and hearing your Word. And I know that you have something very specific to say to each one of us today. And we want to open our hearts and we ask Holy Spirit that you would touch each one of our hearts, that you would minister to us, that your truth would come alive in our hearts today, that you will shape us by your word today. For we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, that your name would be glorified. Amen. So Simon, I almost called him Peter again. I've been doing it all morning, <laughs> too many Simons and Peters in this passage. So Simon preached last week, and uh, he, we start, he did the first part of Acts 10, and I'm going to do the second half of Acts 10. And it's an amazing story of how God gets the word out to all people and to Gentile believers. And so we see that Cornelius, he's a Roman centurion and uh, a God-fearing man, and he is spending time in prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and as he is praying, he gets a vision, and an angel appears to him, and obviously gets a big fright, but the angel says to him, go send for Peter, and bring him here, and so he sends guys off to go and fetch Peter at the Simon the Tanner's house, and the next morning, or the next day at 12 o'clock, Peter's praying, so he's waiting for them to make him food, and he's upstairs on the roof, and while he's praying, he has a vision, and a sheet comes down, and on that sheet is unclean animals and reptiles. And God says to him, kill and eat, Peter. And Peter's like, there is no ways. I'm a good Jewish boy. There is no ways. I have never eaten anything unclean in my life. And three times God says this to him. And then God says to him, Don't, do not call anything impure that God has called and suddenly Peter gets the message and he realizes that he can't discriminate or exclude anybody that God has included. And while he's having this vision, the guys are at the door knocking there and God says to him, go down, there's some people here, go with them. And so they take him to the house of Cornelius and God uses him to proclaim the word there. And so we're going to pick it up, and, but what I just wanted to say as well, just if you, if you read that story, the most amazing thing is how God actually orchestrates all of that, and you just see how much detail and what the lengths that God goes to, to expand his kingdom, to expand his church, to include those that were not included originally. 
And so it's amazing for me how God orchestrates things and how he moves by his spirit to fulfill this divine purpose for everybody and all peoples to be saved. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 33. And I'm going to look at that, this passage from verse 34 to 48 under three headings today. Expansion through inward revelation, expansion through outward proclamation, and expansion by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at verse 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And that is his opening line. He starts with that God does not show favoritism. He accepts everybody from every nation. So how was it that he could make such a bold statement, especially coming from the Jewish faith and having walked with Jesus and all these years thinking that the gospel was only really for Jewish people? How is it that he could make such a bold statement? It is because he had that inward revelation. God gave him the understanding that he could see see clearly that the Gentiles were included into God's plan and purpose for all people. And so Peter couldn't see, and Peter didn't know that he was lacking in understanding. And sometimes we need these kinds of revelations where God breaks into our lives and we can see more clearly. So revelation just really means that you would be in, an example would be you'd be in a dark room and someone switches the light on. Or the curtains are closed and somebody draws back the curtain and the light comes in. And so that's what God does. He lets the light shine onto our hearts and even onto our minds so that we get revelation and we understand the deeper things of God. And so it's in God's kindness that he does this and he brings understanding to us. But this wasn't the first life-changing revelation that Peter had. He had another one, and we read about it in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my father in heaven. So there's some things that we will never understand in our natural selves. We need the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and revelation. And so Peter had to have this revelation, as have each one of us. And if you've never had that revelation, I'm trusting that Jesus or the power of the Spirit will give you that revelation, that you will see that.
came through the revelation that he gave. So just like Peter had a revelation in that moment when he was up on the roof, God broke into my life and gave me a revelation and revealed old mindsets in my life, old ways of thinking that were unhelpful to me. And so he highlighted in this moment some blind spots that I had, and I didn't realize that I was thinking in this way. Just like Peter, he didn't realize that he was thinking in that way, and God had to shine his light upon his heart. So I grew up in an apartheid era, and I grew up in a very small town on the Western Transvaal. And, uh, you know, we, we, our family didn't really talk about what was going on. You know, we never grew up at school. It was only white kids. And so we grew up like this, and it, it was the norm. I didn't think about it much, to be honest with you. As I say, our family didn't have discussions about it. I just thought this is how life worked. And, but then I got saved when I was 20, and I went to Bible school. And that was the first time in my life that I had actually, actually sat down to have a meal with a black or white or, I mean, colored or Indian person. And it was at that time that I thought to myself, how is it possible that we have been living like this for so long? And I started to process what was going on. And I'm, I'm very sad that it took me so long to start to think about it. But I was aware of our differences, but it was so wonderful for me to mix with people of different cultures. And I felt like I really, we had great relationship. It was a wonderful time of discovery for me and a time of growth for me. And so I thought it was going well. I thought as far as diversity was concerned and how I was relating to people of other ethnic groups, was, it was going well for me. And then in, in God First, we were a diverse community. Um, and then I had been a Christian for about 20 years, and we were still in Ferndale when we were still meeting there. And I'd been in ministry for some years as well. And it was in that moment that God broke through. So I thought I was doing pretty well on that score. But I went to go and sign my kids up at the kids' ministry. And there was a lady sitting there, a black lady, a friend of mine, a beautiful Christian woman. And I stood there, and my kids were here, and I was about to speak to her. And it was like time stood still, and it was just Trudy and me and God. And in that moment, I looked at Trudy, and I felt God say to me, I heard God say to me, Lorelei, I created Trudy. And yes, I knew theologically, I knew that every person is made in the image of God. I knew that. I knew that. But as God said that to me, I realized this old mindset that I had grown up with through the apartheid era, that black people are inferior to me. And God revealed that way of thinking in that moment, and he challenged it, and he gave me a new way of seeing. So I knew in my head that everybody was made in the image of God, that every single person is valuable to God, but there was still something tucked away deep at the back of my mind and in my heart to say, yes, you're acceptable, but just you're inferior to me. And so God had to give me that revelation, and God had to give me his perspective and highlights. And I wonder for you if you haven't got some of those things that are deeply hidden in your heart or in your mind, where you still have prejudices against people. 
Maybe you're not even aware of it, and I'm trusting that today the Holy Spirit will move on our hearts and those things that we've tucked away deep inside that no one else can see, sometimes we don't even see, that he'll shine his light. He'll open the curtains of your heart and he'll shine the light on you and you will see today still some things that he wants to deal with. And it's part of our sanctification process. It's a part of him making us more like Jesus. He's purifying our hearts because how we see people will determine how we relate to them and if we even relate to them. I'd never related to black people other than the lady that worked in my house and I loved her dearly. But I never related to other people of other ethnic groups on a, you know, a, a social level. So it hinders us from relating to people, in loving them, and then also how we treat them. And so you, we live in South Africa, and this has been our reality for a long time. And I want to say this to you. I'm not just speaking to white people here today. Because we show discrimination on many different levels. And all of us know that God wants to get to our hearts and he wants us to love people the way he loves. And many boundaries have been set up over the years. And we have to fight. We have to fight to bring those boundaries down in this country. But we have to fight to bring those boundaries down in our hearts. That's the most important part. The outward expansion will not happen until the inward change. The inward expansion happens. There's got to be a shift within our own hearts. Just like Peter had to have that revelation, the shift came and suddenly he could embrace Gentile people and relate to them and go into their home. And so it is with us. There's got to be an inward shift in us, a change of heart for us to see people the way God sees people. And so we know of the incident that happened at the University of Stellenbosch. And I want to say this to you, these are the things that we face. And other places of the world this happens too. But I want to say to you today that what happened there at that university, with that white person urinating on the possessions of a black person, is just not okay. It's not acceptable. It is not acceptable that that young man humiliated that black man the way he did, belittled him as if he was nothing. Yet in the sight of God, that man is so valuable and so precious, created in the image of God. And I believe that act was an offense to God. And every discriminatory act that we make against people is offensive to God. And I search my own heart today. I'm not preaching at you. I'm telling you, I say it to myself today. It's an offense to God because he made us in his image. We are valuable and precious to him. I want us to open up our hearts today and ask God to work in us that we would realize that it's not okay for us to mistreat people to discriminate against people that are different to us. It's not the heart of God. People that have been created in the image of God that he loves deeply. Because, like Peter said, God does not show favoritism. He accepts everyone, everyone from every nation. And so I want to say today, if that incident hasn't shocked you to your core, then maybe it will alert you today 
to the fact that something needs to shift in you. We need to be shocked by these things and that it will bring change into our hearts, that we will see all people through the eyes of God. My second point is expansion through outward proclamation. So imagine if Peter had gone to the house of Cornelius without that revelation. I think he would have gone in there very sheepishly, would have thought, I'm not as a Jew, I'm not meant to be here. There would be no boldness and confidence for him to be able to proclaim the truth of God's word. And so amazing for me how God actually prepares him for that moment. He doesn't just send him off and say, well, figure it out as you go along. He prepares him and he equips him and then he sends him into that household. And so Peter is ready to preach the word of God. So you've heard that saying that says, God doesn't call the equip. He equips the call. That really is that way. So whatever God is telling us to do, know that he will get your heart right. He will get your heart ready if you will open your heart to him. He will give you gifts and abilities. He will give you the power of the spirit. He will give you the message. And then you just simply need to go. And so Peter is able to preach with confidence because of the revelation that he received. And that audience, that Gentile audience, was his first Gentile audience that he faces. And this is what Peter preaches from verse 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how we went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. We must never underestimate the power of preaching. Preaching really is just the proclamation of the truth of God's word. And, you know, preaching is actually unique to the Christian faith. You don't find this form of communication in other faiths. And it's the means that God uses us to instruct, him, instruct us in his word, to teach us how we can be saved, to teach us how we can actually live out our faith for him. John Stott says, preaching is indispensable to Christianity. It's so powerful that we get to proclaim the truth of God's word, which is life-changing. And week after week, we get this privilege of sitting under the word of God. And so once Cornelius had seen the angel, I'm sure it created such an anticipation in him that something was going down. Your God was going to show up and something amazing was going to happen. And so he says to Peter, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. We are gathered here in the presence of God. 
That's why we come, to be with God, and then to hear everything that He wants us to say, that everything that He wants to say. And how amazing that Peter gathered all his family members, his friends, because he had this anticipation. And I think if we understood and if we will believe that there is power in the preaching of God's word and in his presence, we will invite those that need to be here. We will invite them into this place and see God do amazing things. And so we should always come into the house of God and with an anticipation in our heart because we're actually meeting with God in his presence and to hear his word that can change our lives. And so Peter gets the privilege to preach at two amazing events. The first one we read about in Acts 2 in Jerusalem where he's addressing Jewish people and that's after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gospel is open to Jewish people and 3,000 people are added to the church that day, and they're empowered for mission, and they go out. Then this second preach in Acts 10, he's in Caesarea, he's addressing a Gentile audience, and there the gospel is opened up to them, and they are included in the church, and then they too are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and preach the gospel. It was groundbreaking stuff. God was expanding his church and including all nations into his body. But I want you to know two things uh, about preaching and the proclamation of the, of the truth. Firstly is God uses the educated and the unschooled. You know, Paul, you can go and listen to James's message. Paul was well educated. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And when the Bible says he sat at the feet, it just meant that person was a disciple. They were a learner. They were being taught by that person. But Peter didn't have the opportunity to have a formal education the way Paul did. But he did have the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. And he had um, hands-on training. Jesus himself taught him how to do ministry. But he was unschooled. He didn't have formal education. And we read that in Acts 4 verse 13. It says, And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled. Ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So God uses all kinds. We're different. We have different personalities. We have different backgrounds. But if we are Christ followers, God wants to use every single one of us in his plan. God used Paul's education. He needed that because he was going to teach and he was going to establish doctrine. And he was going to write most of the New Testament but God uses Peter in amazing ways as well, even though he didn't have a formal education. So you might think to yourself, I don't have a formal education and that disqualifies me. That's not true. We are obviously always wanting to grow and that's why Institute is so brilliant because it's so accessible and so easy for us to, to learn and to grow in different ways. But the key thing is, is that we realize it doesn't disqualify us. God has given us, I'm telling every one of us here have got at least one, a lot more truths that we can share, life-changing truths that we can actually share with somebody else. Somebody once said, learn a little, teach it a lot. Yeah, we do want to learn a lot as well. But the point is this, sometimes we want to learn lots and never share it with anyone. And I think sometimes our motto is learn it 
uh, learn a lot and keep it to ourselves. We've got access to so much information, and we just want to gather lots of information. But the challenge to us is the truth that has been given to us, the understanding that we do have, that is what we need to share with someone else. And so maybe today that's a shift that needs to happen, an inward revelation that needs to happen for you today, that God can use you. And the little bit that you have, you can share that with somebody else. Then the second thing is that God uses gifted people to preach and proclaim his word from pulpits. And he uses ordinary people to proclaim his word in everyday life. So preaching is a very important part of church life and church growth. But God's truth can also be proclaimed in the simplest ways. Where you have, when you've had a quiet time in the morning or devotion in the morning and God gives you a scripture, you can share that verse. You can just even read it out to someone and the truth of that can go and penetrate somebody's heart. It's the truth of God's word and there is power in it. Something that you've learned at Institute, a truth there, you can share it with somebody else. Your testimony, never underestimate the power of your testimony. The fact that God saved you, you can declare that to someone else. In Mark 16, Jesus said, uh, he instructed everybody to go and preach the gospel to all people. Now that instruction was not for those that are pastors and in full-time ministry. We know that instruction was for every Christ follower. Go and preach the gospel to all people. And so I had a, a little friend in, what was it, standard two, what's that, grade four, uh, in primary school. And I think she took this really seriously. She must have heard her pastor say this, go and preach. And we were sitting on the step at school, but actually she used to invite me to church really often, and I used to go there, I used to love it. I, I didn't understand it, but I could feel the presence of God there. There was so much life in that church. And then one day, I don't know why she did it on that day, or what motivated her to do, or she decided that day I was going to hear the gospel. And we sat on the step during break, and her and I were eating our lunch, and she told me about Jesus. She told me that Jesus had died on the cross for me to take away my sin. And it felt like a lengthy, but it was a long time ago, but a lengthy explanation. So it wasn't just a one-liner, but she explained a couple of things to me as a nine-year-old. And I remember looking at her and saying to her, so what must I do? And she said to me, go home, get on your knees, and ask Jesus to come into your heart. So I said, I will. So I went home, and in the bathroom at the wash box, a red wash box, I'll never forget it, I got on my knees, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Now, what would have happened if Benita Field had not preached the gospel to me at nine years old? Because that was the day my faith journey started. And that, her preaching the gospel to me, God was able to break through into my life. So God can use all of us in different ways, in our different spaces, places, and relationships. He can use us from a pulpit, but he can use you at your Pilates class. And God wants to use you wherever you go. So we see that expansion that happens through inward revelation and the expansion that happens through the proclamation of the truth. And then there's an expansion that happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's my third point. As 
Peter is preaching, the Spirit falls on the people. And I want to read that to you from 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who came with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a little while. So as he's preaching, God interrupts his preaching and the Spirit falls upon these Gentile believers. And the evidence of it is that they start to speak in tongues and they begin to praise God. And then later on in Acts, obviously, we see that they begin to preach the gospel to other Gentile believers. And so there are two things that are happening here, which are, it's so amazing for me, is the first thing is that as the Spirit comes upon those Gentile believers, it's like God's putting his seal of approval on them. He's affirming them, saying, I'm showing no favoritism. I have, I love and I have chosen even those that are Gentiles. I accept people from all nations. And then as the power of the Spirit comes upon them, they are also equipped to go and preach the gospel. So we see the same thing happening with Jesus at his baptism. John baptizes him, and as he comes out of the water, the Spirit comes upon Jesus, and the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my Son, whom I love, and in whom I am well pleased. So the Father affirms him from heaven, and then just after that, we see he's first tested in the desert, but then his ministry begins. So he's affirmed, and he's empowered, just like those Gentile believers. They were affirmed, and then they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and preach the gospel. Then there's another affirmation that happens. So those that were looking in, the Jewish believers were looking and they criticized Peter and saying, what's going on? How is it that these people can receive the Spirit? And so it's so beautiful how God affirms these Gentile believers, even to the Jewish believers. And so it says this in Acts 18, and so I keep saying that, 11, 17 and 18. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. God accepts all of those who have believed into his family, and he puts them on his team for mission. So that outpouring that happened there when Peter was preaching, that outpouring of the Spirit in that Gentile household was a major turning point for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We previously they were just preaching to Jews, now they were preaching to all people. And it says that in Acts 11, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And so after this, we see that as the Spirit comes upon them and their hearts are united and they, 
They're part of the body of Christ. They say to Peter, don't you want to just stay with us for a few more days? But you remember when he first came, he said to him, you know, you are aware that actually Jews don't relate to Gentiles. Now they're asking him to stay, and he's staying. So yes, probably to teach them, but also to have fellowship with his newfound brothers and sisters in Christ. The community of God is powerful. And it's the Holy Spirit that knits our hearts together. You see this picture of Marie. He knits our hearts together. He makes us one. And when we, we are one like this and we flow together in the things of the Spirit, each one having their place, then people are looking at us and we are proclaiming the glory of God. So this body, we're a local body, but there are many like us. We are knit together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is something that is very precious to God. And this diverse body not only brings glory to God, but we are on mission together declaring who Jesus is. I just want to read in Ephesians. It's such a beautiful passage for me. And it's so lovely now that you've looked at Acts 10 and you see what was happening. That was the, the first time it happened that Gentile believers were included in the church and empowered by the Spirit. And then you read Paul writing about it, what actually happened and, and continues to happen. So I want to read from verse 19. Consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't it so beautiful? You were, previously you were foreigners, alien, aliens, you were separated. But now you have been brought into the household of God. That was the story and the testimony of those Gentiles. That is the story and testimony of our lives. That once we were afar off, we were separated. But now through the blood of Jesus, we have been brought into the household. And it was in that household of Cornelius that we were included in the household of of God. Isn't that just the most amazing things? And the, there are so many more people that are out there, all different kinds of people that God wants to bring in for them to understand the gospel so that they can be part of his household and praising his name. So in conclusion, I want to share a dream with you. So we see that Cornelius had a vision. Peter had a vision. And I had a dream. So a vision is just when you're awake and God gives you a picture. A dream would be when you're asleep and he gives you a picture. And God gives us that. Often he'll give us revelation through dreams and visions. And it was through those visions of Peter that God brought that inward revelation and was able to bring the outward expansion. So I had a dream in 2010. And I dreamt that I was on a cruise liner that I was on this big ship and somewhere along the line there were there had been a shipwreck and we needed to help the people that were drowning from whichever ship, I don't know where the other ship was, but we were there to help them and to rescue them from these deep waters as they were drowning. 
And so we were trying to lift them out and throwing them lifelines. And then later on in the dream, I went to the shallow waters. And there I was trying to take two boys out of the water and take them onto the beach. And so as this was happening, there was a young man that came on to the right of me. And a tall, strapping young guy. And I thought, I called out to him. I said, please, can you help me? Can you help me save these boys and take them out of the water? And he looked at me and pulled a face and he went, no. And off he, off he walked. And I shouted after him. I said to him, so strong, but so weak. And when I woke up, I understood what God was saying to me. That, that ship is the gospel. It's people, it's the church actually, reaching out to those that are drowning in a sea of sin, those that have not yet heard the gospel, that are needing, that have a, um, an eternity, that might spend eternity in hell. And then that, when I said to that guy, so strong but so weak, I realized that's us sometimes. We have the strength in the fact that we have the gospel and we have the truth. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we are weak because we lack compassion. That you are able to walk past two boys that might potentially drown and go, oh, whatever, I'm out of here, I've got better things to do. So God challenged my heart then and he continues to challenge my heart now. That we would have a compassion, because if we do not have compassion, we are not moved to take the gospel to those that are in need. We can have the truth, we can have the knowledge, but until we are moved with compassion and realize people's needs, we won't go and preach the gospel to those that need him. So what is it for you today? Are you that person that's drowning in a sea of Maybe you don't even know that you're drowning. You're just carrying on with life. I'm trusting that God's going to break into your life today. The Bible says that we need to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was raised from the dead and we will be saved. When you're drowning like that, you're not going to go into a long dialogue. You're just going to go help. And that's all you have to do today. Jesus, help. I believe who you are and I want to be saved. And if you need to speak to somebody so they don't leave, and we will help you on your journey. And then I want to ask you today, is there an inward revelation that needs to happen with, for you? Where you've got an old mindset like I'd, I had. Or where you're discriminating against certain people. So is there a shift in your mind that needs to happen? Or a shift in your heart that needs to take place? So that you can throw a lifeline to someone in your spaces, places and relationships. So I want us just to bow our heads today. And I want you just to have a moment with the Lord. Maybe there's something you're aware of. You can say, oh, Lord, you put your finger on that thing in my life. And it needs to change. I want you to give me fresh perspective. I want you to give me a revelation of how you love people. I want to have your heart I want to have your compassion, Lord. Or maybe you haven't felt God really touch anything in your heart today. Then you just need to pray and say, Lord, here's my heart. If there's something that's deeply hidden that I'm not aware of, would you shine your light upon my heart? 
because I want my heart to be pure before you. I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pure in your sight. And then I'm going to ask you just to stand with me. I'm going to pray and ask God. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, please look out for our get filled. Or if you want to come to the front later on and for us to pray with you individually, please do that. But I want to pray for you if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you, when you become born again, you have the Spirit of God living within you. But then He empowers you. And he pours out his spirit on you and he gives you power to do his work. And then I'm just going to pray for those of us that have been baptized in the spirit just to be filled up again. So if you want to just raise your hands, if you feel comfortable doing that, just in a posture of, Lord, I want to receive from you. Father, I want to thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for us so that we can have new life, that we can be saved, that we can be in the household of God. And Lord Jesus, you said that you were going back to heaven when you ascended, but you said you won't leave us alone. You had to go so that you could send the Spirit to us, so that we could have the Spirit living inside of us. What an amazing truth that your Spirit dwells within us. But Lord, we're asking for the power of the Spirit today. I want to pray for every single person here that they would, those that haven't been baptized, that they would be baptized in the Spirit. That you would fill them to overflowing. That you would empower them for mission. And those of us that have been baptized but our hearts have grown cold, would you set our hearts on fire and would you fill us afresh? We just say, come Holy Spirit. Do your work in us. Fill us up. Empower us. Empower us, Lord. You know that we cannot do what you're asking us to do by ourselves and in our own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. By my Spirit, says the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Flood our hearts. Flood our lives. It would be set on fire for you. That you'd use us to extend and expand your kingdom. That your name might be glorified.